Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Game Shot the Fallout Buys. Night number four, I think it is. We are losing track of that already. Uh, with myself, Jack Bobby Garwood, and the one and only Mr. Lee Boyce, who has once again been in the Winter Gardens for us, mate. Absolute sweat box in there by the looks of it tonight. Oh, it's it's getting worse each day. It's honestly, it's getting worse. I never thought I'd have nine days in Blackpool and lose weight, but it's definitely going to happen at this rate. It's so warm in there; it's ridiculous, <laughs> and it seems to only getting worse. Than, I'm not sure if we had a sellout tonight. I think there was just a few standing left. Uh, so it's only the net worse the more people we have in there. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we get a big storm and it clears some of the weather because it was threatening in my area of the country earlier today. Seems to everywhere but where I am. Um, four interesting games tonight as we entered round two. Um, before we do get onto that, hello and welcome to everybody sat in the chat room. I know some of you guys have been here for absolutely hours, as you do every night at the minute. We just open the chat room up, let you know the stream's coming in four hours' time, and you sit in there through it away. Jumped in, said some of you earlier, and there's some more of you in there. So thank you once again for joining us uh, in the show tonight. We'll try and get some of your comments up on stream as we go along. Don't forget to say hello. Um, before we do go any further, I just need to say a big thank you to our sponsors for the week. May uh, Need to say a bit more. Uh, so thank you to Betfred for making all this possible for us throughout the week. Um, and as the screen says to you right now, don't forget to find us on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And there should be one more that will pop up in a minute saying like the video, comment when you can and subscribe to the channel. And as if by magic, that will change. There it is. Look, there it is. Look at that. 
what a transition. Um, Riley, I think it's about time we actually spoke some darts, mate, instead of messing around. We won't um, touch on last night's activities too much. We'll just go straight into the action tonight, I think, is the safest way. It certainly is, mate. It certainly is. <laughs> Game number one. And a prediction that I made on Monday has failed. I thought that no non player would get beyond the second round. And in the first game of round two, Callum Rids upsets the apple cart. He beats Rob Cross 11-8 after trailing the match early on. Yeah, it was uh, it was a bit similar to last night in regards to the atmosphere in the uh, in the arena. The first two games seemed to get the better atmosphere than the uh, last two. And as we said, we don't normally get that, yeah, especially in darts when we have the four games. It's normally the other way around, but fair play to Reeds. But Rob Frost, we, we spoke so highly about him after his first round game. But one thing we did say is, well, two things, sorry. We spoke about has he got that consistency on stage. And the second one was him coming out in his press conference and saying that he might be back to the form that he had when he won the match play two years ago. And you said straight after that in um, little clip we showed on this show, you said, Rob, 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 don't say that. <laughs> and then look what's happened. <laughs> don't do that. I mean, he paid at the level that we have basically seen from him for the last six, nine months that we have started to get a little bit excited over it. It's been that consistent mid-90s average. It's a 94 average, two 180s, one for two high checkout, and 33% on the doubles. The problem with that is he had 24 attempts and only took out eight. Callum Ridd's 14 attempts at the double took out 11. The young man was electrified on the outer ring tonight, and it got him over the line. Yeah, uh, not just the outer ring, four ball finishes as well for Callum Ridd's. and seventy. Massive. And that followed on from the one three two from Cross um, was just very special. And by then, the, the the fans sort of changed and it was all back in Rids. And then Rids pushed on. He started very, very slow early on. The first session, he was uh, the average was very low. And then he pushed on and that increased to where, where Rob Cross didn't really change much in the uh, average-wise. But Rids improved as it went on. But there was plenty of opportunities for Cross. Yeah, that was what I was going to come on to next with Callan is that he started slowly against Glenn. Didn't really matter. Started slowly against Rob and he found himself under it. He can't really afford to do that again, can he? He can't, but I'm I'm guessing at the start of the week, if, even if it had just been offered a quarterfinal spot at the match play, or before the draw, I'd probably say, before the draw, if he was offered that, because I think that first round tie, he was always fancied just because of the form that Glenn was in. Um, but he's got to start better, especially down into a London format. Um, because for me, that London format, Ridge has got to improve that average and to start slow, as he has done today, he will have to increase it a lot more than what he's done. Um, and he's not going to be given that many opportunities Probably the opportunities he had today, because yeah, we got eleven out of fourteen, but it was it was behind in a lot of those leads and Frost missed a lot. 
going into the London stage, I'm just not sure if that will happen. Yeah, completely agree. And we're speaking about that slow start from Callum. What do you think it is? Because I was watching a little bit. I've been doing various things throughout the night, to be honest. I've got the game and the sort. But he didn't seem to be comfortable up on that stage. The action seemed to change as the game went on. It was a little bit tentative to start, a little bit edgy. And then, to be honest, even towards the end of the game, as he took the lead, it was still felt like he was getting rid of the darts a little bit too quickly, as if he was just still a little bit tense and worried about the miss, or just getting rid of them as quickly as possible. I mean, he's, he's paid off for him. It's got him over the line. But an average average won't win you a quarterfinal at the Winter Gardens. Yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to say what it is, and I don't want to keep mentioning the heat when it comes to Blackpool, but a lot of the players have mentioned it and being back. I've seen um, uh, Luke Humphreys put on there around. It stood to be back on stage after 16 months with a full capacity, and he, he touched upon the heat. Where for Callum Rids, he hasn't had too many experience of this, so that might be why he's slow starting with Ames. It's all the new experience, and also why he's releasing them. He seems to be releasing that second and third dot a lot quicker. Yeah, once again, in... just just on that, I don't want to. It's hard to slate him because to to know that to the quarterfinal to beat Rob Cross, uh, to prove you wrong, which I'm definitely going to mention, as you always mention oh, when you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not been a great week. It's not been a great week. It's not been a great night. It's not been a great week. My predictions they can't absolutely down. The drain, was, that was the comment I was looking for. Scott Mitchell in the chat room, part of the team. Cross has just lost 135 grand off this ranking. That hurts. That hurts. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> Poor bloke. Just a little. Uh, what normally happens right now is we um, watch a little clip of the post-match conference interviews that we have done today. Phil Bars obviously on the ground. However, I'm just waiting for confirmation that they have loaded into the software. Someone has not read their message. So, if we have them, in the next five seconds, you're about to hear from Callum Rids. If we don't have them, we're going to have an awkward silence and I'm going to have to talk about game number two. Definitely, but they're both great players. They're ranked in the top 32. Am I right? And obviously, it goes, goes to show they're good players. I mean... Again, I'm, I'm not really bothered. I don't care any of them, but we'll just see what happens in a couple of days. Well done, Mr. Eaton. We do have them. Look at that. <laughs> solid, solid work. Thank you very much to Jar in the background producing for us. Once again, he's in the chat room. He's flashed his own comment up again, hasn't he? He loves getting involved as Jarlin, <laughs> but we couldn't do it without him, so keep cracking on, mate. Uh, game number two. Um, <laughs> Mate, I'm in the middle of a show. You can't send me that. Uh, game number two is a game that saw two players put in ridiculously good performances in round one. And the question that we were asking last night was, could they back those performances up? And the answer is yes. Uh, Christoph Ratajski, 11. Luke Humphreys, 5. I mean, 99 average plays 98 rather than 101 plays 100. But still... An absolutely cracking game between two players. This is Ratajski, mate, the quarterfinals. Yeah, and there, there was a middle part in that game where it looked like it was only done one way, and that was Luke Humphreys due to the fans getting involved in that one. We we seem to have one big game every night at the moment where the fans are getting 
heavily involved back in one player. Um, and it's been Luton Frieza then uh, tonight. But just at that stage, Ratoisti had two leads where he missed a couple of doubles. But other than then, uh, Ratoisti played very, very well, as did Luton Frieza. The one stat I think that is the one to look at in this one is the uh, the double from Luke Humphreys because that was the only difference because you could see from the score in the average that if it wasn't for those misses, uh, it's a lot closer to him and deserved to be a closer to him um, personally. And Ratoist did for me edgy, but 11-5 is a bit harsh on Humphreys. Yeah, I mean, they both had one time plus checkout each. Uh, Luke was 5 from 22 on the double. Retiracy 11 from 26. Um, Luke, the heavier scorer, more 180s, more 140s. But just the sheer consistency of Retiracy, firing in tons of fun, 24 tons in 16 legs, plus 11 140s and three 180s. The man's on absolute fire right now. And loves the uh, loves the match right teams. Um, quarterfinal last year, quarterfinal this year. Um it was one to see because of the draw he has, there was the games where there was the potential. It was he wasn't playing any of the top seeds, obviously he'd come through Dolan um in the first round. Um I was expecting Dolan in that one in this one, I was expecting Lou Humphrey. So it feels like if I keep backing against him that Retoice's name's gonna be on the trophy. If that's yeah, the way sorry, it's gonna work. Sorry, Callan, in the next round, he's just <laughs> Lee Boyce has just cursed you already. We're not even there yet. Um there is one thing we have to talk about, and as somebody that was in the venue, you're probably better placed than the majority to have this discussion with. Um, the crowd's reactions during this game, the booing of Ratajski, the, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know how much trouble we're about to get in for bringing this up, but what looked to be Luke Humphrey's clapping the crowd after they had booed Ratajski and he missed it's just not what we want to see is it Lee? So there's a, there's a point at the end of this first session where Lou Humphries is speaking speaking to George Noble for about 30 seconds 45 seconds after Ratajski's left the stage so I'm not sure what happened um, there's a few things I've seen on social media about that that what it could have potentially been um, and then what we'd seen is a very fired up Lou Humphries for the second session and it seemed like after every throw, he was reacting to someone in the crowd. They were chanting his name. And then that's when the booing started against Ratoisty. Um But Ratoisty has touched upon it um, in his interview. I've seen it around it. But the fans, it's not fair. It's, well, it's not right to be booing for me. Um, however, the fans have paid, have paid to be sat in that venue. So I have the right to share their opinion. As long as it's not putting the player off. Um, and Ratoisty will say, obviously, tonight it's not put him off. But if it was a Damon he'd lost 11-5, it could have been a completely different uh, conversation. For me, it's not the right thing to do, especially when they're throwing. Um, it's fine to be back in one player, but I'm not sure I totally agree with the uh, boon of Ratoisty, who played very, very well. And probably, if it wasn't for them missed doubles in them second session, that would have probably been over the 100 average. I think that's where it is. There is a very, very fine line between the behaviours and, and the sights and how we want the crowd, as people that aren't there, to react and respond to games and, and things that happen in the matches. Um, and we, we've seen various partisan crowds around the world. We've seen other sports return before the darts. We've absolutely clamoured for the fans to be back. 
And now, because their behaviour isn't 100% perfect for how we as outsiders want it to be, we want everybody to be nice and respectful and, and clap, the person that you're not cheering almost, that we're making quite a big deal out of it yet again. Yeah, I mean, it's, like says, it's, I don't think it's the right thing to do. However, the people that are in there, like says, have paid their money to be in there. So if they feel their way of supporting Luke Humphreys is by, or anyone else is by booing uh, the opposition player. And if we saw it in the, in the third game as well. If they think that's the right thing to do. For me, it's not during the game, maybe on the war time. You know, there's other opportunities to do, but while they're throwing, especially when it's for T-doubles, um, for me, it just seems, and there was a little bit of whistling as well, which the booing, I'm sort of on the line with the whistling. For me, I'm told it shouldn't happen. Um, and booing it is, a, is a constant wall of noise. Like, yeah. all right, you, you might hear that it's a boo rather than a cheer, but to a player, it won't cause any adverse things in your throw. It's not sudden, it's not shocking. A whistle, when you're throwing for the dart, there's that jumpiness to hearing that that can have an adverse effect on you hitting the target that you're aiming for. And that's where I've always drawn the line. Like, we're never going to get rid of Boo, and I think the European Championship show that, as I say that, in my England shirt. Um, God save the Queen <laughs> and all that. Um, but at the same time, like, it's that whistling. It's those noises that are meant to deliberately make the player miss. Like, Boo, yes, create a wall of noise, whatever. But the minute you're doing something that... you, you it's just not right. It's just not right at all. Um, yeah, let's there, was, from- there was one. There was one on the Joe, there was one on the Joe as well, um, and that wasn't a whistle or a boo. It was just someone someone shouting his name. But literally, he's about to throw a dart wherever you are. If someone just randomly shouts out your name when the crowd wasn't as loud at the time, it is going to put you off. And for me, it's, it, that them sort of things are not right. Completely agree. Right, let's hear from Christoph Ratajski then in his press conference, and then we will move on to the final two games of the evening. Yes, yes, but it is the 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 the, the part of of, uh, of the dart, and uh, you must be used to to it. Uh, and uh, in every situation, you must you must play your dart. It doesn't matter the the crowd is in your side or the opponent. You must you must play your best. I like that attitude from the Polish Eagle. Not just because I'm a big fan of him, but he's going about that the right way, bless him. Uh, on to game number three. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about this one. It should have been a lot closer. This should have been the best match we've seen all week. This should have been, especially even after the first session, here we go, the Welsh fires turned up. This is going to be close, absolute ding-dong battle. What the bloody hell happened, mate? How did Gerwin Price win 11-3 against Johnny Clayton? Arguably the most important man in the world. You know why this happened, because I put on social media how the other day this was going to be after one <laughs> session. I don't know what happened there. I it was going to be yesterday, I didn't like I said yesterday. the final games, so we can get on the show early and get prepared. <laughs> it didn't quite work out that way, so... <laughs> um, the, the, the first session um, the finishing in the first session by both players was very very good um, Clayton then took the sit lead and levelled Vins back up and then obviously Price then uh, went on and won every other lead 
but it was very it's the double on Clayton. It was the same as we had in we talked about in the previous game with the booing for Derwin Price um, initially. But Derwin Price for me was sensational. I know you can look at stats and an hundred and one average is very very good. And sometimes we thought obviously when they're hitting one ten and using that sort of way to describe it. But I thought Derwin Price reacted to every moment very well, even that comeback from Clayton, um, that mini comeback early on and. Price is certain. I know I tipped him to uh, get to the final in our group. I'm just struggling now to see anyone beating him at all because he looks very pumped up for this after missing out on the Prem. Interesting comment that from Dan. He says Clayton lost his scoring after the first session. The only scoring stat that Gerwin Price beat Johnny Clayton in is the straight tons. Price at 21, Clayton at 17. Gets his 7140s, Johnny 11, and going 3180s, Johnny 5. He was just 3 from 13 on the doubles. It, it's just not very Johnny. Without having the stats in front of me for the opening five leads, I would be guessing that Johnny is about 2 or 3, then 180s in that early stage. As Price is at least 1, maybe 2. And the storing from both the 180 certainly in the first five was very good. Um, it did drop off. Uh, I agree with it. But like says he, he outstored Derwin Price a lot of the times. The doubling was just uh, was very poor. Like says, I, I expected Price to win. I expected Price to win well, um, just because of that respect sort of between the two players. But um, not that well. I don't think anyone anyone would have predicted anyone who's been watching darts for the past nine months would predicting Johnny Clayton only to, only to win three leads. Yeah, I think that's the issue with this one tonight. Johnny's head to head record against Gerwin is shocking because I think there's a little bit too much respect between the players. Well, there isn't. Well, there is respect between them, but there's absolutely no love lost. It's between Gezi and the other top players in the world. Let's hear what he had to say about them. I'm not worried what people think as long as I believe in my own head and oh, I know what the players think so that's all that matters Just on what you said there about other players do you listen to some of the interviews players give like Peter for example when he said he's his only rival for this Yeah, Peter's playing rubbish I mean, he's going to win the world he's going to win this I mean, he's won nothing really he's won a couple of pro tours I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about Peter I'm not worried about Michael I'm worried about myself but, you know, talk is cheap you just got to do it on the board <laughs> Talk is very cheap from the world number one. And I tell you what, these post-match interviews are getting very heated. Gary Anderson was chucking some shade on some people yesterday. Joe Cullen and Peter Wright are going to talk about them shortly. They were throwing some shade and now Desi's getting involved on the action as well. The rest of this week, you know, temperatures stop. rising stop in Blackpool and it could get even better. In these interviews, there's got to be a little bit of a list of people saying Wayne Mardell and people saying Peter Wright because there seem to be the two players, well, one player and one pundit uh, who seem to be in a lot of players' heads. Um, at the moment, anyway, there's a spoken about in every single interview. Say their name, get a reaction, give us 3,000 views on YouTube. Thank you very much, Job Done. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Well, it'd be lovely if those views were more. Like we said, every interview that we do will be up on our YouTube channel, pop over at the end of the show to watch them. Unfortunately, we don't have the win on the next game because the man is still talking Belgian waffle as he always does backstage. I'll be coming out for you shortly, uh, but that sort of gives away how the final game went. 103 average for the reigning champion, Dimitri Vandenberg, 
as he fired in a monstrous 14 180s in 19 legs of darts on his way to an 11 8 victory over Dave Chisnall. And sits, sits perfect darts twice from Dime, sits perfect darts from Chise once. Uh, I had my phone ready and mustard in stick because I was ready for that Blackpool reaction because I believe there's a nine dart coming very, very soon. Um, as soon as tomorrow, which we'll touch on in the predictions. But um, Dime, for me, it, there's that little bit of a spell towards the end of the day where it was his scoring just wasn't as good. Um, but it's very hard to criticise a guy who's pulling them numbers with 180s and average um, for what he did in the 1-2-1, one, one, I think he taught. Cheesy one thirty. Um yeah. it, it was it was a very good game, and a, there's a, there's a lot of games in this where the draw we've seen has been very kind to some, and performances we've seen. You, you know, you can average mid nineties in depth through in some, where Cheesy needed to be one oh four, one oh five to that near Dimi, or sorry to to beat Dimi with near him, but to beat. He's just lacked that scoring power this week, as they, but his finishing, 57%, has bailed him out an awful lot. Which which we don't, which we don't we expect. Don't see to, from there. We don't no. see from there. No, we don't. One more thing on this game, and it, amazingly, it's not about Dimmy, it's about what me and you were talking about. You were side on from these two, looking at the absolute difference between what you can see from the players. And then what happened next? Dave Chisnell fires into one third and you go, don't matter how bad it looks when you can do that. <laughs> yeah, I've got a feeling if you was producing the show, that would have appeared, our text message conversation at that point would have appeared on the uh, screen. <laughs> With me having a bit of a dig at the uh, sort of the release of Chisnell. When you compare it to Dimmy, as Dimmy's release for me is so good. Um, and then at that time, yeah, the, the 130 happened within 15 seconds of it sending. I was hoping I was able to delete it before you're ready, but it already appeared on your phone. I was like, oh, well, there we go. But, yeah, the, the difference in throw between the two, especially I was on the uh, right-hand side of the players uh, for a couple of games tonight, just having a look, and the throw was so much different. The, it's not diff. It's not like it's any different for Chisnell. We know what Chisnell's like with a bit of a snatchy release, um, and I'm probably being nice there by saying I'm probably being nice by saying <laughs> yeah. a bit. Um, I still don't get yeah. how he can get the darts to go the direction that he wants to. How he releases them. The one thing for me is I, I don't get is how he gets so many one eighties because the release on a lot of them is so different because of the snatch. How we get so many one eighties from it is a. Uh, He's, I'm not sure how he does it, but he seems to do it quite well. Tries to crack. It's so late in the air. It's very bizarre to see. Um, unfortunately, like I said, we don't have Dimmy's clip for you ready just yet. That is still being filmed and edited by the wizard that is the ginger nut Bill Bars. That'll be up on our YouTube channel as soon as that's available for you. And I'll be on social media as well. Uh, yeah, Juanita Jarliff is going to get an absolute kick in when I see him. So don't worry about that. He's flashing one more thing up on screen. Green. Um, predictions for tomorrow then, Mr. Boyce. You're going to be in the arena again. I think um, Dan from the team is also going to be joining you in Blackpool. Uh, my God, have you guys picked a night to turn up um, for potentially absolutely cracking games coming up tomorrow? Starting with, how up is this game on first? Michael Smith against Jose de Salza. How it's on first is because 
in a normal night of darts, those four dames, which one ever does first? It's just they're all on the same night. For me, it's very hard to pick one, um, to, to that one first. But, yeah, um, Smith and De Souza. De Souza, who do have bats to, um, to win it. And the one thing, obviously, we talked about in his first time. He can't do that against De Souza as he won't then have the opportunities. And we know that Michael Smith needs plenty of opportunities in a London game um, on those doubles. So De Souza for me. And I'm going to go 11-8. 11 8. Don't forget, chat room, get your predictions in too. And while we're talking about each game, I'm sure a couple of them will flash up on screen, unless it's Jar's opinion, in which case, just ignore it. Um, that's why he's in the background. It's my pretty face, not his. Um, I, I'm still staggered this game is on first, to be honest. Um, mad. Uh, I think I've got to go similar to you that have to go Jose win. Look, Mark Smith is a fantastic dart player, one player that we're going to talk about for a long, long time is going to be at the top level for a long, long time. And until he gets over the line, we're always going to doubt the credentials a little bit. But Jose de, Souza, Jose de Souza, for me, is right now one of the best players in the world. He has ridiculous power scoring. He doesn't drop drastically. We've seen him do it like twice in over a year now, where he's dropped less than 90 for a period of time. He's just so, so solid, so, so consistent. Um, and I think that will be the telling point. I have said this all week. We still haven't had it, but I'm going to go for it tomorrow. We're going to get extra legs. Jose wins 13-11. In absolute heartbreak for bully boy Michael Smith. Game number two. Um, actually... The other night when this draw came out, I put in our group chat that these were pretty much dead and buried because of the head-to-head records. And when you look at them, maybe they're not quite so. Game number two, Gary <laughs> Anderson against Nathan Aspinall. Now, Nathan does have the advantage in the head-to-head. Maybe he doesn't. 60-40 to Gary, actually. That's intriguing. It just feels like Nathan had his number every single time they played in the Premier League. Yeah, but, uh, I was very surprised with your comment in the group. And he's probably... It was responded by quite a few people in our uh, online dark chat as soon as you put that on, on about Wednesday night. Because for me, Wednesday night is potentially the best session we're going to see this week. Obviously, we move away from the four dames after um, tomorrow night. So it's one I'm certainly looking forward to. In regards to Aspinall Anderson, I am going to go for the flying Stotsman to win 11-8. Interesting. Interesting. In my defence, part of the barrage of comments I got were all from Cam, who today has tried to change his pick for the winner of the tournament, which is an absolute <laughs> shithouse move and will not be tolerated here at Online Darts. So, no, Cameron McFarlane, you are sticking with Michael Smith, who by tomorrow is going to get knocked out according to our predictions. Um, I am going to go... After, uh, there's something about Aspen this tournament. He's just got that edge about him this week. Um, he's looked good. He's he spoke well in the media. He absolutely loves being back in front of the crowd. I think he's one player that's benefited from that more than most up on that stage. Um, struggled with the heat a little bit, I think, against Mervyn King. You can see it against him trying to calm himself down, but um, I think he'll get over the line. 11-6.
big gap. Eleven big six. Gap. But yeah. Dob, one thing as well that the the, uh, the game being first, the one on first, we was talking about how he's that on first. How is Aspinall and Anderson on second? Certainly that. Mm-hmm. That's to be third or fourth. How is the world number two playing after the world number three in the prime time slot? More, which also is another question. We know why that one is because Sky absolutely adore the Green Machine, Michael Van Gerwen. Um, his opponent in this one is Ian Diamond White. How do you see this one going? Uh, I'm down to the old four, 11 2 to Michael Van Gerwen. That one side. Think- Yes, I think we'll see an improved MVG. Um, and the, the the atmosphere for that white Derny Dane was so good. But I've just got this feeling that MVG is going to step it up. And I'm not sure that the form that Ian White's been in, that if MVG performs 100 average plus, I'm not sure that Ian White sticks with him at all. Um, so I, I, I'm... I'm expecting a bit of a thump in there, 11-2. A little bit of devil's advocate. Last time out, Ian White pumped Michael Rango in 10-4 at the European Darts Championship in October. However, I think I'm very much to the same opinion as you. Um, I'm not sure if it's just because the game was winnable, if it's because he's struggling. We understand that he is set for surgery on a shoulder injury. Um there were times in that Gurney game where he got out of blocks very quickly and then he just looked nervous, edgy. Ian White of old on TV couldn't buy what he was looking for. Um, worried that that probably happens again tomorrow, especially in that primetime slot against Michael Van Gerwen. Um, I am going to go a little bit nicer. I'm going to go the same result as the game before. 11-6 Michael Van Gerwen for me. Um, final game of the night. We mentioned this one briefly earlier. A little bit war of the words between these two um, in the pre-match. Uh, the last two times that Peter Wright's won 7-2 and 7-1 against Joe Cullen, uh, dating back to November last year. Um, how do you see this one going to round, round two? I think this will be our first uh, extended day. Um, obviously, it will be... T- Whichever game it happens, it's going to be at the end of a session, just because our show going live a little bit later. It's always going to be the end session. It's always going to be the end game. I'm going to go for Peter Rice edging it, 14-12. Um, I think, I think it'll be very close. Four, Tommy Wright to win 11-7. Yeah, just, I think it'll be very close, but I do think it will go back and forth early on, but then we'll see Wright just come through. If, and it's a bloody big if, if he comes on stage tomorrow with those new gold darts, I think he right wins comfortably. Look, the straight barrel is clearly the design for him. I've lost count of how many times I've said it. Um, he seems to like the element 11s or whatever they are. They're golden. I don't think they kind of makes a blind bit of notice. Um, but they're going through the air pretty nicely. Um, late in the day might be an issue for... Peter, as he, as he does like a little bit of a practice, um, don't want to overdo it in this heat, um, but I still think he comes out on top in this one. I'm going to go 11-7 for me. Um, Jack Nolte says right 12-10. He's got an extra leg in that one. Craig Gordon, Cullen 11-9. Curtis Wright 
10. A lot of people going 12-10 on this one. Um, as we round off the show, that little banner reminder at the bottom. Don't forget to like today's show. Uh, subscribe to the channel and comment below to get involved, especially if you're watching this on Countback. The comments uh, on Watchback comments to really help us too. Uh, thank you very much once again to Betfred uh, for all your help with sponsorship and coverage of the show this year. The official sponsor, don't forget to head over there if you're having a bit of a flutter on the match play and gamble responsibly as always. Um, once again, Lee. Thank you very, very much for joining me tonight throughout the show or if you're listening Cheers, back on podcasts throughout the day. Um, I'm not going to insult you tonight. I'm going to be pretty nice. So thank you very much to the chat room. Uh, you've all been absolutely <laughs> superb. And once again, we will speak to you all tomorrow night as we finish off round two at the Betfred World Match Play. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.